welcome to the Better Man Sports Betting Podcast. I'm the host, Adam the Fade Grice, a betting professional, handicapper, and former sportsbook odds setter. On the Better Man Podcast, you can expect to hear obscure betting trends, the baddest beats we've found from the week, pros versus Joes, betting by numbers, bet percentages, and money percentages. On the Better Man Podcast, we want to give you the edge to be a better better. Welcome on in here to the Fades Better Man NFL Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Adam the Fade Gross. We're going to be going through this week's games after the abysmal game that was Thursday night football. Fuck, that was like a sleeping pill. I don't think I've seen a worse game of football in my entire life. It was that shit. I mean, you had, what, six, seven turnovers. Nobody knew how to pass the ball to a receiver. KJ Hamill was wide open for a game-winning touchdown pass, and Russell Wilson just didn't see the motherfucker. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so gross. So with that said, we'll move on into the first game on our big board here. We've got the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants going over the pond to London for game two in England. My line that I'd set for this was minus nine and a half for the Packers. It's actually at minus eight at the moment you can get. I had my total at 41 and a half. The actual total is 41. I had Alan Lazard, the Lizard, as an anytime touchdown scorer at plus 120. I've got Aaron Rodgers going over 232.5 passing yards. Now, there's a lot of smoke being blown around the Giants right now. I just think they're a really overhyped team. They've beaten a bunch of shitty teams, and a team at the start of the season just wasn't ready. This is a, a side that's back end is pretty bad because Dory Jackson isn't a good cornerback. He's got sticky hands, which means that the uh, Packers should have no problem moving the ball in this one. There's not much of a pass rush from the Giants. Daniel Jones isn't on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, so the Packers are going to be able to control this game throughout. It just depends how hard they want to win this game if they cover that spread because they don't really have to try too hard to win this game. They should win this one outright without much problem, which is why I'm not going to be playing the ATS or the money line in this one. There's not really a great deal of value in it, and the risk is too big. I think the unders here of that 41 is probably the money because the Packers would have to score 42 points because I just don't think that... I just don't see a world where the... uh, Packers can score all those points, all 42, so that this total goes over. Now, we'll move on into the next game here. I've got the Buffalo Bills at minus 14, which was my line. The actual line was minus 14. My total was 44.5. The actual total that's coming is 46.5. I got a real sneaky ATS pick in this one because I think Gabe Davis might miss the game. So Khalil Shakir at plus 187 looks like great value, and I've got George Pickens going over that 37.5 receiving yards. With Kenny Pickett under center, I think he's going to have a uh, a good rapport with the uh, second-string receiver because he'd have been practicing with him a lot, and it's not like it's not like it's a, uh, a difficult matchup for him here. He's not going to be against the primary corners in this one. So we can look at this one as a pretty open slather for Pickens. You've got Kenny Pittsburgh and George Pittsburgh here. The GP and KP. So they might try and get the ball rolling. 14 points is a lot to cover for the Bills, but with how the uh, Steelers' offense has been so paltry, I think the Bills probably have their way in this one. I wouldn't touch that line. It's too big. If anything, you take the plus 14 because the Bills can stuff things up. We've seen it before. 
But you leave that alone and probably play the uh, the under 46 and a half there with Khalil Shakir to score and George Pickens over those 37 and a half receiving yards. Now moving on to the next one here. It's the Cleveland Browns hosting the LA Chargers. I had this one set at plus four for the Browns. It's actually plus two and a half at the moment, which makes this a really juicy line. I think the Browns are being undervalued here with how well they've been playing despite having Jacoby Brissett under center. I had the total set at 47.5 in this one. It came out at 47.5. I think Justin Herbert has built up a great rapport with veteran tight end Gerald Everett, which leads this game to move into that target the tight end in the red zone kind of game because Justin Herbert really relies on his tight end in the red zone. Everett's seen a red zone target in every game this season. And at plus 162, you can't say no to that value. That's great value on Gerald Everett. And I like Gerald Everett to go over the three and a half receptions in this one. I think he's going to be a safety blanket for that pass rush that's going to be coming in hard and fast with Miles Garrett and possibly Devion Clowney. So those safety blankets are going to get a lot of tar- a lot of targets in this one. I think he's probably going to get about four catches on six to seven targets, which is good value with that minus one ten. So for that one, I'm I'm much I'm liking the Cleveland Browns at the plus two and a half. Not playing the totals here. Gerald Everett to score and Gerald Everett over three and a half receptions. Now moving to the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans. I had this minus five and a half on the Jags. The actual line is minus seven on the Jags. I had the total at 45. The actual total is 43 and a half. I like James Robinson as a touchdown scorer. And I like James Robinson over 12 and a half carries in this one because I think if they want to win, they're going to have to take advantage of that seven yards per carry given up by the Texans defense against the rush. And James Robinson, if he doesn't land himself in the doghouse with another fumble, should be getting about 14 to 16 totes in this one. Should be good enough for a buck, maybe a touchdown in this one. I think he'll score. That center, central field management from the Texans' defense is pretty poor. They give up so many big runs straight up the middle. I don't know how it's possible. It's like they've got glad wrap for arms. You just get run straight through. It's not strong enough. You need to wrap those legs up and not stand there like cobwebs. But with that said... I'm leaning more towards the Texans to cover that plus seven because their passing attack is actually better than what people give it credit for. If Nico Collins gets a bit more involved as a field stretcher, then there's a lot more points that can be put on the board here for the Texans. With the totals, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the under 43 and a half here. I think it's going to be a low scoring 2017, 24 to 17 kind of game with the Jaguars actually winning out. So I'm leaning the Houston Texans at that plus seven, the under 43 and a half, James Robinson to score a touchdown, and James Robinson over 12 and a half carries. Now moving to the next one here, it's the Minnesota Vikings against the Chicago Bears. And we got the plus six and a half that I had for the Bears. The actual line came out plus seven on the Bears. I had the total 39 and a half. The actual total is 44. This is a really chalky pick for an anytime touchdown score, but I'm taking Dalvin Cook against that poultry Bears rush defense. It's probably one of the worst in the league. I have the Bears at the very bottom of my power rankings, even though they have multiple wins. They are just a horrible team. They can't pass. They can barely run with all the injuries they've got. Their O-line is mud. Cole Komet never sees a target, which is pretty bad for Komet because he's a decent tight end. I think Justin Fields is going to be running for his life here. So over the 25 and a half rushing yards for him is actually a pretty good value at the minus 117. In this one, I'm going to be leaning the Minnesota Vikings at the minus 7. Not touching that total, even though I think it probably goes under. Probably well under 44, to be fair, because I just can't see the Bears putting up 17 points to put pressure on it. They'll probably get 10-13 at the most. Dalvin Cook to score at that chalky 120 is also pretty decent. 
So, yeah, we'll move into the next one here. We've got the New England Patriots-Detroit Lions matchup. My boy Bailey Zappi, who I said was going to be the top-rated quarterback out of his current draft class, is going to be starting under centre. But I have this as a plus four-and-a-half start for the Patriots. Lions actually coming out at the minus three. So the plus three on the Detroit Lions here for me is actually looking like good value. My total was 40-and-a-half. The actual total is 45-and-a-half, which I think is putting too much weight into the Lions playing very well in domes. This game is not in a dome, and Jared Goff is known trash outside of a dome. So I can't really see them putting up the big points that's got them the number one scoring offense in the NFL right now. They also have the number one scored on defense right now as well. So they live on a double-edged sword, the Lions. They either score or they get scored on. There's just no in-between. However, with Jared Goff being outside of the cool, calm dome, I think he's passing going to be a bit more wayward now because he's not very he's not very accustomed to a wind or a breeze when he passes the football. I like Hunter Henry as an anytime touchdown scorer here at the plus 187. I think Bailey Zappi really likes to uh, attack his safety blankets, so his outvalves are going to be the running backs and the tight ends. Jacoby Myers might be coming back for this one, which will be good for Bailey Zappi because he's got a re- reliable pair of hands. I'm also a big fan of the Jamal Williams over 62.5 rush yards here at the minus 110. Because I think that the, if the Lions want to control this game, they've got to do it on the ground. But it's going to be pretty tough going. I think I've got him pegged for 70, 72 rush yards here. So for me in this one, it's the Lions plus three, leaving the total alone, Hunter Henry to score, and Jamal Williams over the 62.5 rush yards. Now we move into the Saints and the Seattle Seahawks here. I had this rated as a pick because they're both very even sides. Seeing this line come out at minus 5.5 for the Saints is quite ridiculous. They have a nice defense, but it's not great. You have the Seahawks, who are just absolutely balling at the moment with Geno Smith under center. Who would have thought it at this point of the season? Rashad Penny's coming into his own. This this Saints defense can be gashed. I had the total in this one set at 49.5. The actual total is 46. I think this goes over the 46 because the Seahawks can put up points. They've done it all season. I like Will Disley as a sneaky touchdown scorer because Geno Smith targets him heavy in the red zone and a plus 375. You just can't say no to that value, especially when he's been a first-down touchdown scorer so far this season already at 40, $40 odds. And my stat pack for this one is Cameron Jordan to record one sack. So he has to go over the zero and a half sacks at plus 100. I think he's got the chance to get through this Seahawks offensive line, which is actually performing better than most expected. And Geno Smith can be a bit shell-shocked in the pocket at times when he can't think fast enough on his feet, which will leave Cameron Jordan open for the sack here. So this one, for me, is going to be the Seattle Seahawks plus 5.5. I really like that. I'm liking the over 46. Will Disley to score and Cameron Jordan to record a sack. Now we've got the New York Jets with the Cougar Slayer under centre. I had... Zach Wilson and friends at minus one and a half power rated for this one. The actual line is on the Jets plus three. Miami Dolphins minus three. Teddy Bridgewater is known as Teddy Covers for a reason. The man is 24 and six ATS as a starter. I think this line probably drifts to 3.5 before the kickoff comes. So the Dolphins here are a very nice prospect at that minus three. I'm certain this is going to drift out by the time kickoff is here. But... My total for this one is 42.5. The actual total is 46. I like Garrett Wilson as an anytime touchdown scorer because I think Zach Wilson's going to need that bit of a speed break to get beyond the Dolphins' secondary. I really like Brees Hall to go over 16.5 receiving yards with all the targets that he's been getting out of the backfield at the moment at the minus 110, which is great value as well. There's not much to be said about this game. The Jets 
are a quiet achiever. They won an ugly game against the Steelers last week when the Steelers basically beat themselves. The Dolphins, on the other hand, put everybody to the sword with their blazing speed. Teddy Bridgewater's had an extra week with his receivers who are just, he's got a Lambo and a Ferrari out there, so it's very hard for him not to vision himself putting up a lot of points in this one. Teddy covers is Teddy covers for a reason, so you can't not look at that minus three and go with push value. You've got to take that one. So for me, it's the Miami Dolphins minus three, leaving the total alone. Garrett Wilson plus 220 to score. Brees Hall over 16 and a half receiving yards. Now moving to one of my favorite matches for this week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Atlanta Falcons. Now Tom Brady in his career, including playoffs, is 10-0-0 ATS against the Atlanta Falcons throughout his entire career. Also, with Tom Brady coming off back-to-back losses, which has happened 14 times in his career. You want to know what he is? He is 14-0 and 0 in this spot for a bounce-back win. So this is a huge spot for Tom Brady here. He's got his favorite weapons in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans back on the field. Everybody's looking healthy, except for the O-line, of course, but the Falcons don't really have much of a pass rush. Their secondary is terrible. Second-year corner, AJ Terrell, is actually getting burnt more often than a marshmallow in a campfire. It's it's pretty embarrassing at times. Marcus Mariota has been hit and miss and hit and miss so far this season. He only had seven seven pass completions in the last game. If you're somebody who's got Kyle Pitts in fantasy, which I don't, I feel sorry for you because pretty much RIP to that position for this season, unless you're able to trade him way to somebody who's not been paying attention. So for me here, the I have my line set at minus 10 on the bucks. It was minus eight and a half at the time of recording, but I believe that it has shifted. I don't have the uh, data in front of it, but it's moved to minus nine and a half. So it's basically on what I had it power rated at anyway. I'm loving the Bucks at that minus 10. I think they win by two scores here. Even though the Falcons have a penchant for coming back in games late this season, I had the total set at 45 and a half. The actual total is 48. I think this goes over the 48. I think both teams could put up points. I think the Falcons probably can get to around that 17, 20 point mark, which would be enough. The Bucks will probably get around the 30 mark, which would be enough to cover that spread or the total. I like Chris Godwin as an anytime touchdown scorer. I think Brady's going to target him coming back from injury to try and get his confidence up because that's the kind of quarterback that Tom Brady is. I've got Marcus Mariota to throw over zero and a half intercepts. I think that pass rush is going to get in his face at that minus 110, and he's going to throw under the wrong color on the field. He's going to be throwing one of those red jerseys. So we're going to be going for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on that minus nine and a half that it is now. Going over the 48, Chris Godwin to score and Marcus Mariota over zero and a half intercepts. Now we're going to move to the next one, which is a real yuck game. And this is coming from a Titans fan. Washington Commanders against the Tennessee Titans in Washington. I had the line set at minus two and a half on the Titans. It's currently shifted into minus one and a half, which isn't a good sign for the Titans. I had the total set at 40 flat. The actual total was 42 and a half. I had Ryan Tannehill as an anytime touchdown scorer because this is his 50th game as an NFL starter in the quarterback, and these stat days like that generally reap dividends when you put money on things like that. So I'm going to back Ryan Tannehill to run one in on his 50th game here as a starting quarterback. And I like Derrick Henry to go over that 102.5 rush receiving yards. I think if he, he gets more involved in the passing every week, and that 102 has slowly been going up. They had it at the 75 three weeks ago. Then it was up to 80. Then it was 88 and a half last week. Now, after last week's up to 102.5 for the combined combined yard totals. Minus 110, it's still good value. I'll take it because I just don't see anybody on that commander's defense that's going to be able to stop him. There is still no Chase Young. I think the, the secondary for the, the commanders is worse than that of the Titans. 
the Titans have just played against some top-end defenses, uh, offenses, which is why their uh, point totals haven't exactly been in their favor, like the 41-7 to against the Bills. This is a really hard one to pick who wins this because the Titans are loved everywhere to win this one. The line's going backwards. You've got a lot of reverse line movement on this. A lot of, lot of money sits on the commanders. A lot of public sits on the Titans. This is the perfect letdown spot for the Titans heading into a bye the week after. Sometimes you've got, to be, you've got to think about things like this. They could be out of focus thinking of that bit of extra rest that's coming their way. So we're going to be thinking here, probably the Washington Commanders can win this outright. This could be the dog of the week. Again, don't quote me on that. I'll come to the end of this podcast and tell you who my dog of the week will be, but it could very well be the Tennessee Titans. I think we play the under 42 and a half here, but I have zero confidence in it because both defenses can be torched and both offenses can stall. So <laughs> it's a really tough match to pick like that, but we'll stick with the Ryan Tannehill anytime touchdown score and Derrick Henry over the 102 and a half receiving rush yards combined. Now we're going to move into one of the grossest games on the board here, which is the Carolina Panthers led by Baker May, May Mayfield and the San Francisco 49ers led by Jimmy G. Now, I had this set at minus 5.5 for the 49ers. It sits at minus 6.5 for the 49ers. I had the total at 41.5. The actual total that came out was 39 flat. I like Brandon Ayuk as an anytime touchdown scorer because he has a great matchup. I like Debo Samuel would go over the 20.5 rushing yards because I think if they want to open up this strong defense from the Panthers, they're going to have to cut it with a different look weight or a different plan. And I think Debo Samuel is going to be part of that plan. Now, you're talking about the Panthers here who have a quarterback that coming into the game last week was ranked 33 out of 35 applicable quarterbacks for throwing catchable passes. He's not even in the top 32 of quarterbacks in a 32-team league. That just tells you how bad Baker Mayfield has been this season. Like, he has been bad, bad. There's bad, and then there's been Baker bad, and there's just no hope in sight for the Panthers. They've still got Christian McCaffrey back there who can carve a game up at any time. They've still got a decent defense. But when you need to pass the ball, you've got to be able to do it. And the Panthers just can't do it. They just can't. They are so bad with that quarterback situation. And this should be Matt Rule's final game for the Panthers. If, if it's not, then the Panthers need to change their ownership because something's gone wrong everywhere across the board. So for this one, I'm I'm going to be leaning towards the San Francisco 49ers to cover that minus 6.5 because I just don't see where the Panthers are going to be getting the points from unless Kistra McCaffrey goes wild. But the 49ers have a staunch defense, and when you've got an offense that can't move the ball against a staunch defense, it's a recipe for disaster. You're talking about Matt Rule who, here, who is 1-26 as a head coach when the opposing team scores 17 or more points. That's pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic. And you want to know an even worse stat? He's 0-24 in the last 24 times that occurred. That is abysmal. We're going to move in and look at that total. I think this goes under 39. I just The Panthers might get 10 points. The 49ers will probably get 20, 20, 23, 24, something like that. I just don't see a world where the Panthers are going to put up bulk points in this game unless the 49ers take their foot off the foot off the gas. It is a short week for them. But yeah, the the, Panther, the Panthers are just... You can put a fork in their season already. It's already over. So we're going to be looking at the 49ers, minus 6.5, under the 39, Brandon Ayuk to score, and Debo Samuels over 20.5 rush yards. 
It's going to be moving into the Arizona Call of Duties against the Philadelphia Eagles here. And I have the Arizona Cardinals as plus three power rated. The actual line came out at plus five on the Cardinals. The total was 43.5 set by me. The actual total is 49 flat. I like Dallas Go Dirt to get a touchdown here at the plus 160. I think that's great value. And I have Kyle Amari going over zero and a half interceptions with this ball hawking Eagles secondary at minus 110. Now, some could say this is a traditional letdown spot for the Eagles where they're flying high at 4 0. They certainly should have lost last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they somehow managed to pull it out, being only up eight points after getting five, five turnovers out of Justin, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Jalen Hurts is doing just exactly what he needs to to win games, and when the games are dirty and they're getting dirted up, he's still doing very well. The Eagles are able to run the ball. The Cardinals don't really have much in the way of defense. Their secondary isn't that great. Their offense is just about as stale as old bread. Cliff Kingsbury is supposedly this offensive genius, and I've yet to see it this season. Any Anytime they've done something of brilliance, it's been Kyle Murray running 700 metres behind the line of scrimmage to get the ball out to score. My power line is minus three because I, I feel the Eagles in a spot of regression here. If you would ask me which one I'd take, I'd probably lean towards the Eagles at the minus five. I think this game probably goes under because I can't see where the Cardinals are going to be getting a lot of points from unless the second half goes crazy like it has all season for the Arizona Cardinals. But yeah, we, we will stick with the Eagles at minus five. We're going to be looking at the under the 49, Dallas go dirt to score and Kyler Murray over zero and a half intercepts. So moving to the next game here is the LA Rams against Dallas Cowboys. I had the Rams set at plus two and a half. The actual line is minus five and a half on the Rams. This is your traditional get right spot for the Dallas Cowboys here. It's very hard to, uh, for the LA Rams. Sorry. It's the Dallas Cowboys have a great pass rush. The Rams offensive line has been absolute mud, absolute mud since Whitworth retired. Stafford is getting absolutely cornholed behind the offensive line. He can barely get the ball out. Alan Robinson's basically a ghost this season because he just never gets a target. Cooper Cup is also just an absolute target sponge. 14 catches last week for over a buck. It was a pretty magnetic performance from Cooper Cup and his sticky fingers. But Micah Parsons is going to be an absolute force against this Rams offensive line. I'm leaning more towards the Dallas Cowboys on that plus five and a half. Cooper Rush is also expected at a point of regression here against the point of improvement of the Rams. This is a tricky spot to want to pick either of them. But if I had to pick anywhere, I'd go with the Cowboys because I just I just don't see where the Rams are going to do anything. They can't run. They can only pass it to Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. The Cowboys defense can handle that. Alan Robinson is just and a figment of everybody's imagination. He's just not out there, even though he is. The Rams need to find a spark, and it's not going to be in this game. So we're going to be looking at the Dallas Cowboys, plus five and a half. We're going to be taking the over 43 here. Ezekiel Elliott, anytime touchdown score at plus 162, because he's banging on the door. And Matt Stafford, under 255 and a half pass yards at minus 110. I just think he's going to be under too much pressure all day. And when he's under pressure, he's an absolute mess. He's been a turnover machine all season so far. Now we've got the Baltimore Ravens against the Cincinnati Bengals in an AFC North divisional rivalry match. I had the Ravens set at minus two and a half. The actual line is minus three. Happy to take that minus three on the Ravens here. I think the Bengals, all their luck has run out. 
they're looking like the average side that they are, even though they spend all this money on that offensive line. That offensive line is absolutely offensive to watch. We're watching Joe Burrow run around behind that line like a chicken with his head cut off because he's just got no time. The second that ball is snapped, that defensive line is in his face. Now, when you've got a bunch of turnstiles in front of you against a quick-footed Ravens defensive line, I think it's going to be a hard day for Joe Burrow to get things done. Now, the three is probably about even. It's a divisional match. I think if the Ravens didn't make some poor coaching decisions throughout this season, they would be 4-0. and zero. If they had have not botched those two games where they had massive leads, you'd probably be looking like a minus five, minus five and a half kind of line here. So for me, that minus three on the Ravens, where I'm going to go with that push value, I think it'll be three and a half by kickoff. All the money is going on the Ravens and all the tickets are on the Bengals. I had the total set at 48 and a half. The actual total was 48 and a half. So I believe we'll take the overs there as well. J.K. Dobbins to get an anytime touchdown is plus 175. Great value now that they're involving him a lot more in the rushing attack. Justin Tucker over six and a half kicking points is also great at that minus 125. Now we're moving to the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders for Monday night football and hopefully a primetime game that isn't as shit as Thursday night football. I had the Kansas City Chiefs set at minus six and a half. The actual line was minus seven. I had the total set at 49 and a half. The total came out at 51 flat. I had Devontae Adams to get in the touchdown zone at plus 110. And I've got Josh Jacobs over 61 and a half rush yards as he's been getting fed He's been out there for over 80% of the snaps so far this season, and he's getting heavily involved in the Raiders' offense because they need to start slowing things down. And Jacobs is proving his worth so far this season, so 61.5 is definitely under threat. I think that you've got to take the Raiders in this spot at the plus seven. These two always play close together, and they always put up points on one another. It's just like a tit-for-tat game all the time. It just depends on what state David Carr is in. But the plus seven, you've got to take it here on the Raiders. It's just too much of a pro number. It's a key number as well. So that plus seven, you've got to take it on the Raiders here. We go over that 51 as well. I think both of these teams will put up points on each other. The secondaries aren't impressive from either side. Pass rush is probably equal on both sides of the ball. So if the offensive lines don't hold up, that could be where it slows down the points. Now, Devante Adams, he's got a great matchup this week. He's going to be out of the slot. He's going to be out of out of the wide receiver one spot. He's going to be used out of the backfield again. There's just a plethora of ways that the Raiders will use Devante Adams, and that's going to get him on the scoreboard. And Josh Jacobs over that 61.5 rush yards for reasons mentioned before. Now, time to move into the boost ATS picks for this podcast this week. We're looking at Devante Adams as the top-rated touchdown scorer this week with James Robinson and then Hunter Henry. The total punch that we like is going to be the Ravens overs, the Cardinals unders, and the Falcons overs. And the trip stack stat pack that we love the most here is Marcus Mariota over 0.5 interceptions, Kyler Murray over 0.5 interceptions, and Cameron Jordan at 0.5 sacks. The spread sandwich in this one, we're taking the Packers at that minus 8, Patriots at the minus three, and the Seahawks at the plus five and a half. They're just great lines there. If, you, if you're not feeling too comfortable with the Packers, then I would suggest that you take them out and replace them with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers will cover that 10 easily against the Falcons. And the moneymaker, money line, straight up sucker punch is the Chiefs money line, Vikings money line, and the 49ers money line. If you want to put those three together, feel free. Thank you all for tuning in here. That's been 27 minutes of the fade goodness here. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Like, subscribe, leave a rating, comment. It all helps. 
doesn't cost you anything. It helps the rating of this podcast and it helps our visibility greatly. I wish you all happy betting and let's get 